Was all this legal? Absolutely not. We were making more money than we knew what to do with. We don't work for you, man. Yeah, my money tape here, Goose. Technically, you do work for me. Pick up the phone and start dialing. All right. Yes, pick up the phone and start dialing. That's right. It's been 10 years since Wolf of Wall Street has been around. And given we're a month away from approaching Killers of the Flower Moon, we've decided, you know, that, that we're going to revisit Wolf of Wall Street because it's been 10 years also since DiCaprio's done a film of Scorsese. Now that they're getting a killer of the Flower Moon, I remember being crazy about Wolf of Wall Street, but now I'm kind of thinking back a little more to it. I still remember a lot of it, but there's actually a lot now, like, and even in this segment, Mike, like, like how we thought of the subject, is Wolf of Wall Street dumb or ingenious? There's a lot that goes with that, but right. there's also... Still, it's the levels of brilliance in a way as well. <laughs> well, yeah, I think, I mean, The Wolf of Wall Street, to uh, break down the plot, it's a movie about this guy who joined Wall Street and he came in there during like a huge financial crash. So he's trying to find his way to make, you know, another job. So he finds this one job where it's run by uh, great director Spike Jones. And uh, I almost said Spike Lee, but that wouldn't have been the right. <laughs> um, and Spike Jones is selling these penny stocks to poor people where they're not going to get any money. They're going to, but the person selling it is going to get rich by people investing like, you know, $2,000 into something like that. So from there, he learns a way, a method to call people and scam them into buying garbage. <laughs> and by doing that, they all become rich. And this movie is sort of like it's a celebration of excess and it's also a celebration of bad behavior. It's one of those Martin Scorsese movies where you see it and everyone in it is just absolutely deplorable. And but, like and no matter what bad decision they make, it's like no matter what bad decision they make, it's like it's like their bad decisions only grow to be worse. Then yet again they still find success. And even in the failure they find a way to BS out of their BS that requires cleaning up, which is where I go crazy with this movie, especially how creative it goes, but even creative to the extent where I'm just thinking, how the hell is this going on? What, how, how did this get associated? You, I found myself when I watch with a ton of questions, like, how is this associated? How is this associated? But it's truly because the Jordan Belfort character of Leonardo DiCaprio is purely a madman who only gets madder over the more ways he finds keep getting wealthier and wealthier. And that's where drugs and quaaludes come into the equation, which is yeah. what fuels this Martin Scorsese pick. <laughs> well, yeah. And drugs aren't a stranger to other Scorsese movies. You know, oh, they, not at all. They had not drugs in uh, Goodfellas and in uh, The Departed. Oh, yeah, The Departed. Yeah. The, it's, it's in a lot of Scorsese's films, you know, because he Casino. likes to study. Yeah, Casino. He likes to oh, study. Yeah, because Sharon Stone's uh, character is like a coke fiend from what mm -hmm. I remember and she couldn't get away from her pimp played by uh, James James oh damn right. James that's, Woods that's right yeah, yeah it's been a while since I've seen Casino but I kind of want to revisit it I want to go on a on on like a binge of revisiting some Scorsese picks for Killer of the Flower Moon but that's yeah. besides the point kind of thing <laughs> so yeah. well uh, I mean but when we're talking about Wolf of Wall Street, unlike Scorsese's other movies, this one's kind of like a pure comedy. It's not really meant to be taken as seriously as Goodfellas and stuff like that. Although we do kind of take Goodfellas with a grain of salt because that's a movie about mobsters, killers, but yet we like them. 
because of the mise-en-scene that uh, Scorsese puts into his movies. Like when you see Henry Hill taking uh, Karen around the the Copacabana, the the camera just stays on a singular shot following them around as you're just kind of like this girl getting wowed by, oh my God, I'm getting put in this nice club. I'm going through the back kitchen right into the front, right to where my seat is. And I am being treated like a queen. I this is amazing, and that's what that scene was trying to capture. Now, Scorsese, I'm sorry, go ahead. Scorsese is all about kind of even with Wolf of Wall Street. A majority of the movie was improvised. The yep. dialogue was, and he encouraged that for this movie. I think he realized in every moment, given everything's already going bonkers and crazy, like he's like these are the right people for improvising in many of the epic chaotic scenes. Well, it made the scenes uh, kind of feel more naturalistic, especially yeah. when, uh, you know, especially with the relationship between Leonardo DiCaprio and Jonah Hill, uh, you know, you kind of get the idea that these two kind of sleazeballs really like each other, you know, because you have DiCaprio, who's the educated one who, you know, has, you know, basically and was going to be the guy on Wall Street. Who Jonah basically, Hill's basically the intern who doesn't really know shit. Yeah, he Just doesn't know like shit. Copy guy. <laughs> yeah. He doesn't know shit, but, you know, he ends up kind of becoming like the VP of the company and then running it. So he, he probably knew enough or he just learned whatever Belford tells him to do on the page. And that's one thing that was a little unclear to me. Like, do you think in real life it was that simple where like he would literally just give people a script and they'd read it and then they were able to just scam people and people just automatically bought into their bullshit? I- I, I don't think so because I know there's been discrepancies about some of that kind of thing, mm-hmm. you know, kind of, I feel like that was like just a tactic to get the film going, even though there was scams, but it kind of, I, I feel like it kind of the film to get more to its uh, narrative and it's to be the typhoon of an adventure that it is. They obviously jumped right to the get rich portion right away mm-hmm. and didn't really do a much more. They weren't there. There isn't really the thoroughness of the, earlier background of jordan belfort there is briefly but very very brief because it wants to jump in i mean you could even see in the beginning of the movie where where you know where dicaprio's character is already mixing sex and drugs already taking all kinds of medicine not stopping and is always not really caring about what his bad behavior is he acts like his bad behavior is just one natural thing after the other that he'll never be impacted by it right 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 well I, i mean the ultimate lesson that and i'll just throw this up here Point. spoilers you've been warned yes uh, you've been warned <laughs> the uh the ultimate lesson that happens at the end of these movies is that they learn that they can't just get away with whatever they're doing henry hill ends up having to give up all of his friends and fellow mobsters because you know the fbi was cracking down on the mafia in casino uh when everything started falling apart you know uh, you had robert de niro's character uh we'll just call him ace because that's what they called him throughout the whole movie you know, uh, Ace, he was based on a Jewish uh, mobster or, or or gambler who, like, worked with these monsters. He he ended up leaving the mob life while the other mobsters died. But he uh, he kind of came out unscathed. But he didn't, he didn't learn much in the end. I think Jordan Belford, he lost his wife. He lost his kids, you know, but he didn't lose his money. And when I watch that, I kind of think to myself, you know, are we glorifying these people? You're like, shouldn't there be more of a punishment on Jordan Belford for what he's oh, doing? Oh, totally. I mean, look, like, I mean, like, now to even look back at it kind of thing, like, I just love kind of how it's like, 
like even in there this moment and if and i'm sure many of you are watching this movie know this moment scenery's like oh let's celebrate with quaaludes then it's and bear in mind it this is already way into the film they've already done drugs in multiple scenarios and it's not kicking in and there's a moment where it's like oh it's not working maybe we built a tolerance after all these years and i'm thinking oh you built a tolerance all right but is a tolerance enough of what's about to hit you kind of thing yeah. it's like the tolerance well, keep alone taking more you know and the more you take the worse the trip's gonna get and that tolerance alone honestly didn't last him in every error that came around like i would just bs his way out of it like it came in increments literally this yeah. movie the destruction of people falling apart comes in increments in the most to me hysterical clever yeah. and mischievous direction well the 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 body movement DiCaprio did when he when the quaaludes hit him and then he who was in the golf yeah. club <laughs> yeah. yeah and he's just trying to crawl out of there yeah, that, and then he the whole down the, the stairs he puts his my friends always do that my friends tell me I'm always good at that impersonation with the with the phone it's like you know then going to the car you know yeah. kind of thing where he tries to go to the car can't even open a damn door because it's like the door goes up. You know, yeah, it's like one of those DeLoreans. From yeah, the then, future. I'm at a country club. Get him off the phone. What yeah. the hell? I can't hear. And I'm just thinking, oh, Jordan Belford and his career is just going in the direction he does not want it to go in right now. Right, right, right. But I mean, that was his low just, point in the movie. Yeah, you know? but that's where the brilliance kept going. It's because the film had you keep thinking one thing that it meant the other so much. Right, you know? right. Well, I mean, you know, that, that that was probably the highlight of the movie was the <laughs> Quaalude scene, you know, oh, when yeah. they finally kick in and then Jonah Hill and uh, Leonardo DiCaprio fighting each <coughs> excuse me, are fighting each other, pulling the phone apart, the phone whips itself and hits DiCaprio in the face. What did you do? <laughs> yeah, because, I mean, it's essentially in that scene, uh, Jonah Hill calls up the, uh, the, the guy from Sweden who's basically laundering their money and... Oh. And and their phone his phones are wired. That's what he realized. Yeah, and their phones are wired. And this guy is high on quaaludes, talking to this banger guy, speaking absolute nonsense because he's fucked up out of his mind. Oh, but, this whole movie, this whole movie is fucked up among many segments. That's that's where the joy of it is. I mean, I mean, hell, we talked about this, Benny Hanna, Benny Hanna, Benny fucking Hanna. <laughs> why, yeah. Lord? Why? Yeah, so you you were trying to explain why what Benny Hanna did to his company. It was be- well. Here's what it was: because the Steve Madden, the shoe company, yeah, was like one of their partners. They only had all their problems and whatnot. They found out that the Steve Madden shoe company signed on with Benny Hanna, kind of thing. Mm. Later on, where he's like, and in that moment, I think he I think the Belfort and DiCaprio's performance is is is. The explanation of that is if they weren't, if they didn't keep keep falling in these plateaus of their disasters, they would have been much more successful. But no, it's going to companies that Belford viewed as below him, kind of thing. Yeah. You know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 Well, I mean, it's funny. Uh, when, when I think about this movie, uh, he Scorsese always likes to make movies about terrible people, but yet he makes them so relatable. He and, does. You know, and I think the way he does that is. He kind of he knows how to incorporate music, editing, composition, all the necessary requirements to make a good movie. It makes them work. You know, a lot of his films have narration, which it's like I wouldn't allow more movies to have narration unless you know uh, 
it's done by Martin Scorsese because when other movies try to do it, it just it sounds and, like it's forced in and there. I, and out of all the films Leonardo DiCaprio has done with Martin Scorsese, Martin Scorsese, I feel like Leonardo DiCaprio has always been the one who's able to possess the very ill-fated characters in a very direct way, you know, mm-hmm. in the right way, even though I'm not really sold on one of the performances of Scorsese. But I mean, I like the is movie. It, uh, is, it, is it Gangs in New York? It's more of... I mean, I mean, I'm sorry if people are going to be offended, but I was thinking back at it was never so sold on the Aviator. I like Departed uh, okay. Wall Street much more than the Aviator. Oh, those are fighting words. I see. I love that. I love that movie, and I love DiCaprio. It was more the the role, and just thinking back to it, you know, right. like different roles of DiCaprio. You know, right? I mean, you don't see Howard Hughes. You see Leonardo DiCaprio when you watch that movie. But even so, I think he kind of captured his neurotic behavior really well in that film. Yeah, and that was kind of a rush decision because originally it was supposed to be Christopher Nolan directing that, then that plan failed. With Jim Carrey starring, which... Yes. Been, I, I don't know how that would work. I think there would be yeah. a little too much Typhoon Jim Carrey for that to work, and it would not go in the direction that Christopher Nolan would want, honestly. Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> but, but back on Wolf of Wall Street, though, and Martin Scorsese, in terms of directing, though... Like, I want to go a little bit of trivia with this movie kind mm-hmm. of thing. So, like, the movie was was banned in the other in five countries, and a lot of that was due to its high sexual content. The film was banned mm-hmm. in Malaysia, Nepal, Zimbabwe, wow. and Kenya. I'm thinking, wow. So seeing the so seeing someone as hot as Margot Robbie is obviously not right for other countries. And that was actually her decision to do the nude scene. Yes, they it said was. that she was gonna wear a robe. You know, they gave uh, Scorsese gave her the option to wear a robe. She said, "Well, she's using her body to get ahead, so this is so that's what I'm going to do in the scene." And, so, and also, the film broke the Guinness World Record for the most swearing in one movie: eighty-one expletives equal to three point one swears per minute. Really, there's <laughs> not more swears in Casino. I think they they the numbers are kind of the same in a way. Yeah. They're yeah. very, but because. Their conversations are much different compared to both kind of thing. Right, right. What else you got? (laughs) But I mean, also, oh, the actors crushed B vitamins for scenes that involved cocaine. And Jonah Hill claimed he had to be hospitalized after inhaling so much because he claims it gave him bronchitis. Oh, yeah, that's right. I did read that. So I'm just thinking, well, they obviously want to stay in tune, but they also don't want to be drugged out of their mind. But I'm surprised they didn't even want to take the risk of real drugs, especially for how people like DiCaprio take his role so seriously, you yeah, know? Take his thing. role so young. Uh, <laughs> and that was probably the other thing. Of all the women on set, you got to be careful, you know? Yeah, don't thing. bring your daughters. No, <laughs> I saw this, I think, on Christmas Day when it opened. That was even... And I was old enough to watch it, but watching that with your family, oh my God. <laughs> no, I, I The whole time I'm watching this movie, though, you know, I'm thinking like, oh, these guys are sleaze bags, blah blah blah. But I'm like, if I could get rich like that, maybe I do the same thing. I don't know. Have you ever thought, like, yeah, these people are not relatable, but at the same time, like, I'd probably do the same thing Jordan Belfort did. Did that ever cross your mind? In a way, yes. But I'm just thinking, like, the things Jordan Belfort does. Like, I was once asked, what do you think is the most hysterical thing Jordan Belfort does? That's stupid. And a lot of people kind of don't remember the scene but a majority do it's the scene on the airplane where it's like i had to tie you what why why then it looks back it's because he's just like like putting his hands on everyone on the airplane 
going crazy. <laughs> it's like, dude, you have a drug problem. <laughs> I will not die sober. Get the yeah. get the fucking loots. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, we'll be fine. A few broken dishes. No problem. <laughs> yeah, I mean, when you hold this movie up to other Scorsese films, do you think he was the right guy for the directing job of this particular story? I think or- he was to do something different, and I feel he could still establish a strong storyline. Because bear in mind, this movie was running towards the four-hour mark, actually. You know? Well, it was three hours, but his movies have gotten longer since. I mean, Killer of the Flower I mean, Moon is going to be longer than this. Three and a half, right? Like it's going to be like The Irishman, which was also three and a half hours. Oh, I saw the. I remember seeing The Irishman. It was like an eight o'clock screening at the time, and I'm thinking, can this be any freaking earlier? You yeah, know? you would get out of there by eleven thirty, I think. Yeah, and, and that was worth it though in the very end. But I just hope I can watch Killer of the Flower Moon very early. But even a Wolf of Wall Street. Like, the film is just, like, you know, like, even to have that much, like, the representation of one to have so much money, so much power, so much drugs, so much money in stock, so much connections. It's like, it's like, honestly, the error it has is, honestly, it all just can't keep happening overnight. All is revolutions, all much of which, and I repeat, much of which, bound to have its small errors because a lot of times he finds himself in dramatic irony of where it's like he thinks he knows it all but he truly doesn't you know Mm. like who's on the inside who's betraying him you know yeah and the money laundering all that shit it goes it's a whirlwind of jordan belfort's success but his plateaus that he keeps ignoring especially without i mean look for crying out loud he acts like Crashing a helicopter on a golf course is not a bad thing. <laughs> well, he doesn't care. He has so much money. He can get away uh, with oh, doing oh, you, whatever you he to, wants. You, you didn't have to deal with the golf course people. Oh, my God. You had to deal with the golf course people. Through. What a great tragedy, honey. Oh, my God. You probably had to pay them in cash. You <laughs> <laughs> probably did. I don't know. But, yeah. uh, I mean, the thing that makes this movie work is that it's it's a comedy. Like, the yeah. whole thing, like, doesn't take itself that seriously. So when it doesn't take itself that seriously, like, to be honest, I don't care if the movie's factually 100% correct or not. I agree. I go to a movie to be entertained. You know, sometimes I'll go to an art film not to be entertained, and I go there for, like, a serious viewing. But most of the time, I want to be entertained. And this movie, although it's three hours, it doesn't feel like it's three hours. It's fun the whole way through. It's a movie that, that truly soars with revolutionary laughs, revolutionary writing unexpected jokes unexpected hidden gems like the fish scene we were talking about I oh the fish dead. bowl yeah you, you, you watch your, your little fish bowl on new issue day yeah on what on new issue day we show you what happens to the fish around here and he like he puts it eats, yeah. eats the guy's no, fish no, I mean, no. I mean, that is a little weird to bring your fish bowl to work though no don't talk to me about shop you don't know you don't know shit about shop if you want you want you want better words i'll chop your credit card in half <laughs> but right. I mean, but I mean, even the taglines of this movie, I just found encouraging. I mean, I was 20 when this movie opened, but even then, I still find the words encouraging to this day. Like even that speech, where he's like, "If any of you think I'm superficial or materialistic, go get a job at fucking McDonald's because that's where you fucking belong." Like words yeah. like that have a weird inspiration 
for yeah. many people to this movie. Yeah, it's kind of a get your ass off the couch sort of mentality. Pick up the phone and start dialing. Deal with your problems by becoming rich. <laughs> yeah, they become tell. Yeah, become telephone fucking terrorists. Now let's bomb it. Now let's blow this motherfucker out of the park. And they did. Oh, they did. <laughs> they did more than they should have. <laughs> oh, they sure did. But going off my notes here, do you think there's anything wrong with Scorsese glorifying terrible people? Or um, I, I think, if I had to think, it's representation at the very end sometimes I question. Like, okay, you're obviously making Jordan look like the good guy. And then yet again... It's like everyone else is suffering just on his behalf, but yeah. you're giving him the easier end of the deal for probably political reasons and whatnot, you know, <laughs> kind of I thing. Mean, the thing is, like, he makes these people likable, but that's because you kind of need to in order to follow the story. You need to make Henry Hill kind of like this likable mobster because you're going to follow him for two hours and you have to see through his point of view why he would be in the mob. Same with Jordan Belford. You see through his point of view why he would rip people off, you know. And those reasons, I mean, one is because this guy can get rich fast. He know? tried to bribe a cop. Yeah, he tried to bribe an FBI agent. Start throwing him hundreds of dollars, throwing lobster at them. Oh, wait, he probably can't afford them. <laughs> Fun coupons. Right? Uh, yeah. But, but yeah. yeah. What you have here is you, you have a story about these guys who don't live the normal life. But they're happy they don't because in the end, by doing the wrong thing, they're living the best life that they can. But then when they realize that there's consequences for doing those things, they lose high, it. Yeah, yeah, they lose everything. And, and especially when there's the moment where where Belfort where Jordan is told by by his wife that, that she wants a divorce and she tells him all the legal ramifications. That makes him goes berserk because he thinks it's my money, yada yada. But then mm-hmm. it's like, oh, the lock and and take you down too, kind of yeah. thing. It can, you know? it can. But what is like Martin Scorsese saying about American society in this film? He's saying that we are materialistic, that we basically think about money more than we think about people. I think it's. I think he is. I think he's proving a point where it's like if someone could be a philanthropist in the context of a con artist of success, that people thrive off of that, and they will. And it's because it's like an addiction. You can't stop doing it if you keep being successful at it. And yeah. even if it means making risks to be successful. I mean, look, he take look, Jordan Belford takes risks overseas. He does he gets way too much money, he doesn't yeah. know where to hide it, doesn't know what to do with it. So much money where he's even having sex with it in his bed, literally, with yeah. his wife. <laughs> yeah. And and when we see that, you know, we kind of think to ourselves, Oh boy, I would love to have that, you know. Just yeah. just like good fellas. You know, when when uh I'm trying to think like of, of a scene where, you know, they kill somebody and you're like, yeah, that prick got it. You know, <laughs> oh, you yeah. have those moments in Goodfellas, but. Oh, yeah, I love you. You, you get you. You get why these characters are the way they are. You get that Jordan Belford is drawn to money because it gives him lavish things. And to say, oh, I'm not materialistic. I wouldn't do that is bullshit. I think any I think anybody if they were in this friend Oakmont's position would probably do the same thing, but, you know, don't quote me on that. <laughs> oh, I agree. I mean, it's but, such a, it's such a film that is like, 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 even though he says, you think I'm superficial materialistic between those two things, he kind of is materialistic. Cause look how he started even making money was like in a materialistic form, mm-hmm. like 
realizing how the tax deduction is worth a lot if he actually sells, then he realizes he could sell, you know? Yeah. Yeah. You know? Yeah, but then remember remember uh Matthew McConaughey's like cameo in the beginning? It was like mm. very brief, but it was still kind of epic, you know? Uh oh yeah, of course I remember. He was in the beginning of the film and he kind of set the tone for what Belfort's life was going to be. Is oh, yeah. going to be taking drugs. The way he talks is so sharp. Be like, be like, be like, what do you do? Oh, what do you do? If that guy is going to take his money and run, what do you do? No, you, you don't. You dismiss it. No, you get another brilliant idea, a special idea. Because if we don't, we're 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 making we're making commission, motherfucker, kind of thing. And he that's where mm -hmm. he brings the cocaine up to him and all that shit. Yeah, you know? yeah. Well, I mean, he set the stage for what Jordan's life is going to be yeah which is you know it's, it's basically like you're going to be working all the time and you're going to be taking drugs so you can keep up with your work and so you can get as much money as possible so you can afford nice things you oh know, yeah such as more drugs you know but that but uh but but, but when he met him that was an important scene because he kind of was the mentor to set the stage for the rest of the film oh and, yeah and yeah. also and also just with, I mean, even thinking about the roles like by, you know, Robbie and whatnot, kind of thing, you realize too that Belfort took advantage of her too in that in that film. As, well, yeah, and he like, and he punched her in the gut in it, which was real. Woof. Oh, That's when he was high on. Oh, but oh, puts oh, puts a oh, puts a camera in the kids' room when they're both in there, and then there's that old thing where she's like you don't get any of this like a yeah. sexual where, like, she, oh, look, where she's watching. spreading open and she's saying <laughs> she's wearing nothing but short panties <laughs> you know but and i'm like oh this dude's insane this dude obviously is one who will who will honestly get back at you no matter what it takes <laughs> well i mean there's a reason that millionaires and millionaires are willing to do shitty things that most people aren't oh yeah know? definitely and, i mean, but, I mean I mean, it was just, but the, but also just the way of how it's like, I just like how it's kind of calm, then crazy intense again, calm and crazy intense again. Like the scene where she throws the water on him, she throws three glasses of water on him. Yeah. You know? Yeah. I, and that seemed to be the thing. It always seemed to be like a building set up and punchline in the movie. Uh, you know, like I could take the example of when they first talk about Quaaludes, you know, you hear about how they're so effective through DiCaprio's narration, you know, they talked about how they used to be on the market and then they pulled them off because people started taking them and not staying asleep because it's a sleeping aid. But mm -hmm. when people didn't use it to go to sleep, they ended up abusing it and it would give them a pretty kick-ass high. So there, you got your setup. Now, your punchline is when Margot Robbie comes in and Jonah Hill is so high, he's jerking off to her. <laughs> that, now, that's that's like the grand payoff of that scene. But there was a lot of scenes that were sort of structured like that. Oh, there's a lot of scenes where the nudity kind of goes above and beyond. And sometimes it makes sense. Sometimes it doesn't. But it doesn't matter if it makes sense or not. Because this is a typhoon. This is a typhoon adventure, whether you like it or not. Well, and sex is supposed to be sexy. So they try to sell it as much as they can. And I think it was, it was gearing almost towards the NC-17 route. I'm sure if they had just a few more segments, it would have qualified. You know? I think it, yeah, well, if they showed full, well, they did show full frontal with Margot Robbie, but briefly, was, but that was just so great. Yeah, it was just like, what? And it was done, you know. Oh, yeah. But, uh, the, uh, but yeah. I mean, that was, and I got we should talk about her performance a little bit, you know. She's her performance, I feel that kind of revolutionized a bit in a way, but it also was like kind of 
her starting game a bit because look after that she kind of took on a diverse mix of roles but i think her role that was much more rewarding than this was of course i tanya kind of yeah thing. yeah that was her best i tanya is really what proves she can act yeah you know? yeah and i think martin wolf of wall street still was like a good starting point because she's playing this girl from new york or new jersey and she has this accent but it doesn't fa- sound too forced or at least to me it didn't and, you know, she's this woman from uh, Australia who's nailing it, just like how so many other Aussies and British and Irishmen can nail an American accent, yet we can't nail any of their accents for shit. But, I mean, it's, it's, isn't, it, isn't it so fair how some people are gorgeous looking and incredibly talented at the same time? Oh, I uh, totally agree. It's one of those things where it's like, you know, you're just thinking, damn. And then the fact that she, there's a point where she tells him, oh, she wants to separate from him after having sex. I'm thinking, oh, that's harsh from someone so cute like that, you know? Well, he's he's got a lot of money. He can get somebody else. Oh, but. yeah, for <laughs> sure. But, I mean, even then with DiCaprio and Robbie, I even remember hearing there were some scenes in movies where there was like accidents on set, but he didn't really take offense to it. He found himself laughing. accidents what kind of accidents like there was like a moment where it's like they're filming and i think she accidentally like hit him accidentally like wasn't intentional you know and DiCaprio just started laughing at that kind of thing yeah yeah he's used to having women give him shit i think and whatnot because all he dates is models you know yeah 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 Uh, that's true and and plus he just doesn't care DiCaprio likes it when it gets wild on set i'm sure you know did you know the uh, chest feeding that was actually improvised? Yeah, I knew that. Like, talk yeah. about improvised. That was the perfect improvisation. For improvisation, it was just it glorified more of like the brilliance. It glorified the persona, and it glorified like like just how how there was faithfulness in in all of what it took for Belfort to become who he was, even though it was a criminal, a madman, someone very wealthy. But at the same time, the writing in this movie is in depth with also finding its comedy approach. It also knows how to have the twists. It knows how to, and even the fact I even talked about the ratios of the swear words. I'm thinking, thinking does like it's it's like that. It's like Martin Scorsese has a formula to his swears. He's like, like that's probably why he improvised it because it's like a script. Then it's like boom, boom, like f word this, f word this, f word this. But then when you add it, I feel like I was I was like thinking about the film. Um, uh, Goodfellas, and I think Goodfellas still has more somehow, kind of thing. Yeah, that or I think Casino has more. That one like has Goodfellas the most. Goodfellas or Casino, squares. all of them fall in that route. All three. Yeah, yeah. Would you? But this one, when you think about other Scorsese movies, I don't know if I'd rank it like real high above his list. I agree. But it's a, but it's a very good film. But like, what are, I, like, like, what's the one Scorsese film that you always go out of your way for? Because I'll tell you mine. For some reason. It's always been the departed for me for some reason. Uh, Raging Bull and Goodfellas, but we'll go with Raging Bull. I think yeah, that movie's I a. I think that movie's a beautiful depiction of toxic masculinity oh, uh, yeah. that I'm trying to write an article on, but to be honest, I just can't find the words for mean, it. Mean, mean Streets. Mean one. Streets is a real good one. I own that one. Yeah. Oh, yeah, that was I mean, like his first big sort of collaboration. And talk about movies, one that's very least violent. Oh, my God, I love this film. Hugo, you know? Hugo, yeah. I love even though yeah. that's completely That was opposite. a kid's film. 
And that yeah. was, and even Scorsese, and it was great. It was a kid's film about the history of cinema. Yeah, and I'm like, if there's anyone that can make a film about history of cinema, it's definitely Martin Scorsese. Yeah, because who directed Trip to the Moon, which was the movie that... It was like, the thing that was Giron Lumiere and all those people. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So the, that that was a great movie. George Melius is who it was. And mm-hmm. he was a French illusionist, a, a, a sort of a magician, if you will. And he used his magic to sort of create, you know, the whole sequences in the movie, especially the famous sequence where they shoot out of a, a, a spaceship into the ship, into the moon's eye, and the moon makes that big face. But yeah, oh, yeah. That, that was, uh, yeah, that, that was a beautiful film about movies, actually. I agree. Them. And, and about like the heartbreak when things don't work out with your filmmaker. Because I that, agree. Yeah. I agree. And even a little back on Wolf of Wall Street, I kind of realized in Wolf of Wall Street, you could see a lot of the traits of Scorsese into Wall Street. Like even in the opening, the opening of it reminded me a little bit of how like of how The Departed opened, where it like opened with a setting of something happening and mm-hmm. in the narration of what's about to happen or what's about to be evolved. Like Scorsese has always had a knack for bringing his approaches to his films about what the audience is about to get into then bringing it back from the perspective of of one main character it's almost like like departed it opened with with like with mobsters in boston and jumping into jack nicholson narrating kind of yeah. thing same with this one of leonardo dicaprio narrating it set the scene about like both of them set the scenes for what you're about to get into kind of right thing. right yeah i mean i mean even goodfellas in the beginning you yep. have um uh, you you have, uh, damn it! I can't remember the actor's name. But you had a you had a guy in a trunk, and they stabbed him to death. And then from there, you have Henry Hill's voice come up and say, "Ever since I was a kid, I always wanted to be a gangster." Mm-hmm. You know, cuts a Frank Sinatra singing, cuts of the Goodfellas title, and then you kind of get the blueprints of what this movie's going to be, and oh, yeah. it's going to be a fun ride in crime. But oh yeah. And it's probably the most accurate movie about gangsters that existed. But Wolf of Wall Street is what we're talking about. And I feel like this movie exaggerated things. It does. So then, yeah, so then it could get laughs. And I can't blame it, it for doing that. And, like, exaggerates, like, you know, like, oh, it even exaggerates the scene where Belfort gets abusive. It exaggerates a lot of things with everything they do, in a way, you know? Kind well, of yeah. And, I mean, they exaggerate it because... That way you keep the scenes interesting, you keep the action going, and you kind of make your audience go, did that really happen? Is that true? And if you can kind of sustain their attention through that, it, it's sort of worth doing it. And I even remember at the time, DiCaprio was asked in an interview if he felt awkward watching the movie of his parents, and he would laugh because he was getting close to 40 at the time. He'd be like, why would it bother me? I'm almost 40. And then by that point, he's already done a lot of messed up shit. Kind of thing. He was almost 40. I'm going to be 40 in like three years. How sad is that? <laughs> oh, you're still young. You're still young. But but like like what I mean by DiCaprio had already done a lot of heavy type stuff by then. He's already done multiple three-hour movies. But even before his fame days, he did the Basketball Diaries where he plays a mm-hmm. giant drug addict. So it's like this dude's already been exposed to a lot. So he knows what he's doing. Well, it was a great role for him in the Basketball Diaries. It was, especially at that young age. Like a movie like that to help get his career out there. Or something so realistic, you mm-hmm. know. I mean, and he then, was with 
it was with Mark Wahlberg. People knew Mark Wahlberg more back then than him. Back then. It was with Mark Wahlberg? Yeah, they were both the twin. They, no, no, they were the friends on the basketball team. Oh, shit. See, bad influence friends. And people knew Mark Wahlberg more, but they didn't know Leo quite yet. Right. And that was, uh, they also had Lorraine Bracco from. Played the mom. Uh, yeah, for, yeah, she was from Goodfellas. She played Karen. And she's also, of course, a psychiatrist and uh uh, or therapists. I don't know if she provides the pills or not. In uh, uh, the Sopranos, I feel yeah. Sopranos is like her most revolutionary role, despite it being a TV series. That's where you see the most of her all these years. Well, her character goes through a lot in that in that show, and there's that brutal rape scene with her, which is just awful. Oh, but yeah. I mean, uh, things find- like that are revolutionized. I feel off of films of Scorsese sometimes. You know. Well, th- here's the thing with Martin Scorsese. You see a lot of movies that copy his style, but yeah. they don't quite nail it because it's not them. You know, yeah. it's not them doing it. But uh, here is another example where this is a Martin Scorsese movie because he takes the events that happen in real life, right, ranks them up to a 10, and he is able to create sequences through his camera work and through Thelma Schumacher's editing that keeps you hypnotized for about three hours. Because, I mean, most comedies, you lose the audience after an hour and a half, but this one goes for three hours. Oh, yeah, three hours of all kinds of twists, adventures, drug usage, disasters, all kinds of types of incriminating scenarios that are added layers of of his of, of laughter to the to the very max even with narrations that make you laugh as well you know oh, yeah and that's not the first time you use narration you use narration in casino to the point where remember uh they killed joe pesci when he was when he was in mid narration he's like i'm gonna do something about and that's yeah. when they hit him in the back with a oh. bat Oh, Joe Pesci. You make got in the middle of a narration and they hit him with a bat and and he and like in his narration he made a sound as if he got hurt. And that's when his character dies. Sorry, spoilers to casino. Oh, who, who cares? They could find these movies on streaming, I'm sure, a majority of them. Yeah, know? yeah, yeah. Or if they've been out for years, you know? Yeah, um, or you could see casino on television on cable where they take out all the swears. Yeah, surprisingly, all these years, they never really played Wolf of Wall Street on cable TV, but I wonder if it's because of all the swear words in that movie that made them be like, no, let's not put this on TV very much because the editing of it would be stupid, you know? Yeah, yeah. Well, um, so for Wolf of Wall Street, after 10 years, how do you think it holds up? I think we have a majority of people who remember it very well, like myself. They have a majority of people who kind of don't think about it because I think, you know, we've seen so many projects since then. I mean, Leonardo, I mean, Martin Scorsese, his project after this was kind of forgettable after Wolf of Wall Street kind of mm-hmm. thing. Which like, one was it? That was uh, Silence. Oh, know? I like Silence. Actually. I liked it too, but it didn't get like, it's almost that to me. It's almost like that movie was like his toning down a bit after Wolf of Wall Street in a way. kind well, of. Well, it was him exploring religion, which he explores before. I mean, I, I'm not really a religious guy, but I really enjoyed uh the passion of the was it the passion of the Christ or the temptation? Yeah, of and that's coming to the Siskel in Chicago. I kind of want to revisit it. I think it was called the Last Temptation of Christ. Uh, yeah, that's right? right, Last Temptation of Christ. Yes, but yeah, I do See, think Wolf of Wall Street is going to have its memories. But I think people have held its appreciation probably from 2013 all the way up until like 2016. After 2016, I never really heard 
many talk about it much, you know, kind of thing. But I feel like that's also because, you know, when Leonardo DiCaprio went to do The Revenant and whatnot kind mm-hmm. of thing. People started thinking about when is he going to win his Oscar? So I think, you know, now that he won the Oscar for The Revenant, you know, yeah. kind of thing. I feel like Wolf of Wall Street is still a classic, but I don't think people are going to sadly revisit it as often kind of thing. You know? I don't know. A lot of people still refer to the movie here and there, and I think it's a fun film to revisit for anybody to see. I mean, it's it's a movie that uh, I don't know if it get it seems to get mixed reactions instead of a lot of love. But from what I've seen through internet culture, people have really kind of taken a liking to the film. I agree. Yeah, but then I mean. This movie does treat does teach some bad lessons, though. Oh, it does. And, it really it is a bad influence. Like when I saw this movie, I'm thinking, no, you can't let your kids watch it. No, don't watch this with your parents. Well, unless it, you feel embarrassed. They, you know, they can't see. Yeah. Well, I mean, that, here's the thing: it'll give the kids a bad idea because although Jordan Belford went to jail, he made it sound like it wasn't that bad in jail. You know, and then at the end, in real life, you know, he he still had his money, and oh, yeah. And if you think about Jordan Belford in real life, this guy went to prison for a while. He lost his wife and his kids, but he still kept his money. And he has a major Hollywood director, Martin Scorsese, make a movie about his life. Oh, yeah. You know, so, you know, things kind of didn't work out that bad for him in the end. And it kind of makes you go, boy, you know, these guys got off easy in these films. So they get off that easy, just a little slap on the wrist for you know breaking a few laws and ripping some people off you know i think belford went to a white collar prison so i don't think the punishment was enough for what he did but i agree like this movie is kind of i feel like this movie has the ending where it's kind of like intended to like make you not have a proper understanding of what ended but it just kind of has like that ending that makes you think oh life moves on despite all the negativities that happened you know (laughs) it tries to end in such a pleasant way you know, tell it me. Does. you could tell that Jordan has to adapt to the life of being a typhoon to like being a normal spokesperson, you yeah. know? And then yeah. you, I just thought to myself, how's this going for him? Because a lot of the sell me the pen tactic that he uses in the very beginning of the film, no one's figuring out how to do it, you know? Yeah. Really? Yeah. Know? They don't know how to, well, and except there was that one guy who lived with his mom who pumped weights who knew how to do it. Oh yeah. And that's such yeah. a, fun movie but i like that like one thing that came to my mind though like with that film also was like how he's narrating about each other character. like this guy made his money selling weed this guy made his money selling weed. this guy stole sold whatever he get his hands on mostly weed <laughs> yeah uh one thing that i found that was oddly non-existent in the plot were the children like you see jordan's daughter in like one scene and they mm-hmm. reference them like you could see that murder robie's like pregnant with another kid coming in Oh yeah, but which I remember that? Yeah, which really makes you go like kind of shocked when he punched her in the gut. He could have punched the baby for God's sake. I know, right? It's like yeah. thinking. I'm thinking. No wonder why she's like. She's like, you're not gonna have my kids, you know? Right? Because she felt they they were her. They were both their kids. But it's like the behavior he does. No way he can have those. Oh, he's a raging drug addict. Oh yeah, yeah. especially with how he already takes the kids out. The kid out to the car. And it's like, get in, a, get in the car, we're going to go for a ride. Right. Like, that failed. I mean, so, it was important they had that scene so you actually knew there were children and there were lives being affected. Because oh, yeah. otherwise, you didn't really get that feeling. You just felt like this guy was get, getting away with whatever he oh, wanted he to. got. Oh, yeah. That car 
scenario failed for him badly, you notice, because look, the L of the, the garage closed on it and she hit it with a golf club. Right. Right, absolutely. That but, movie um, is just a ride of ride of success, a ride of damages, and it all comes together in like a pure Scorsese epic that is remembered by many, but I do wish that they would it would get more appreciation than what it gets today. Mm, yeah, right. It made tons of money. It got like five Academy Award nominations, you know? Really? Yeah, I don't think it won very much, though. And even that year with American Hustle, American Hustle didn't win as much as it mm. probably should have. You know, right? Uh, well, American Hustle. I, I looking back, I didn't think that movie was that great. It was average, but that was like a year where you had tons of movies at once, and the movie theaters just stomped at Christmas time. And I know? remember watching uh, the the what was the movie called that we just said it was called The Young Hustler. Hustle, uh, uh, the American Hustle. American Hustle. Yeah, I remember seeing American Hustle and Wolf of Wall Street on the same day. And I remember leaving liking Wolf of Wall Street more than American Hustle, although American Hustle had a higher Rotten Tomato score. So I remember I think I to show you don't always look on Rotten Tomatoes to make your decision based on a score. I watched three movies that week. They were a day apart from each other. Walter Mitty came first. American Hustle came second. Wolf of Wall Street came third. And for me, I'm thinking it was a better decision for Wolf of Wall Street to come third. Because I'm like, oh, this is the typhoon of that overcomes the first two films, you know? Mm, yeah. And it was a, that was a wild time for sure. But man, I kind of miss those days at the movie theater a little bit now, mm. you know? Kinda. Yeah. As we yeah. go into movies, we're kind of joyful. And it still is joyful. But going back, though, I'm kind of at the point where I feel ter- if, we, if I were to come to a conclusion with this, I think Wolf of Wall Street is definitely still a classic. It definitely holds the nostalgia of Scorsese. Mm. And it definitely gives us, it's something to be revisited if you've seen it before, have never watched it. You probably definitely should or revisit it before Killers of the Flower Moon. Because bear in mind, this is 10 years after, and Leonardo DiCaprio has not done a film with Martin Scorsese since Wolf of Wall Street kind of thing. So it's like they're going from chaotic, chaotic Wall Street galore to a murder mystery now. Mm-hmm. And they're doing a murder mystery again about. 13 years later after Shutter Island. Hmm. Mm-hmm. Another murder mystery. Yes. Yeah. Well, I mean, yeah, that is Killer of the Flower Moon. We'll see how it turns out. I mean, making it three and a half hours seems I, a little... I think he just, he worked on that movie for so long, which was the thing. Uh-oh. Your mic is off. Yeah, I know. You all right? Hang on. Mike. Hello? Can you I, see me? I'm... Yeah, I can't see you. Can you hear me? Yeah, I can hear you. All right. I don't know what happened. Uh, edit audio at... What the heck? Oh, here we go. What is this doing? It's freezing. It won't let me turn on the camera. All right. Let's pick up the phone and start dialing. To figure I'm trying. Out. I'm trying. But yeah. it won't, it's gone. My picture won't show up. I won't show up. I don't know what happened. Uh, uh, just, just trying to entertain some. I can see you now. I can see you now. Hi. Ah, there we go. We're good. The, the, the phone is dialed. There we go. Yeah, I did. 
I gave them the deal that they'll appreciate for a long time. I know. But Literally. I don't know. I think we should wrap things up. What do you think? So I, I agree. And we'll probably be back, maybe do a segment on another film very soon. We got screenings coming up. You can follow me at moviesofdark.com and also follow my good friend Mike of YPA Reviews. And we are both critics of Chicago Indie Critics. And we will catch you next time. <laughs> That's right. And guys, if you want to see a underrated comedy, come on. Or I would say not underrated, but rated comedy. You can't go wrong with Wolf of Wall Street. No, but, so pick up the phone and start dialing and figure out when to watch it. <laughs> <laughs> that was, that's back in the days when they had movie phone. We don't have that anymore. Oh, I think that still exists, but they don't update it, you know? Oh, uh, really? Oh, well, we I mean, kind of like Fandango. Fandango is still a thing, but no one really likes Fandango. Now no? I got to see if that still exists. I think it move. Well, you might be want to go back to the days of movietickets.com. Movie phone. Tickets some more. Yeah, but Fandango has got the best of them. Yeah, but a lot of theaters want you to use their own sites now, I feel. You know? Yeah. Especially yeah. With how many people they got working on those now. You know? Yeah. Yeah, exactly. I mean, how but, look, like, like, look, I mean, this is not in, in tune, but you better start. I will tell you guys a little bit of a spoiler. Killer of the Flower Moon will open in some IMAX locations. Not not everywhere, but some locations. So so honestly, maybe start checking your IMAX listings and hope that, that Killer of the Flower Moon is going to play there. Because I'll probably be worth it maybe in that format. But who knows? It'll only it's, really appeal to me if it's a certain if it's a certain format to go to it. <laughs> is it filmed in IMAX? I maybe or may not be, but if it did, they probably didn't share that yet. You right, know? right. I think, I don't know, I think it might have been filmed in digital because Scorsese switched to that. And it was George Lucas who persuaded him to do that. Thanks, George. But Damn it, George. <laughs> yeah, I mean, well, he persuaded it because he basically said when he went on stage, you know, films are just tools, just like digital is. And that kind of made Scorsese reconsider things. And I think if I were, if I were to be correct, Wolf of Wall Street was filmed digitally. It was. It was. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but yeah. But anyway, guys, have a guys, good night. But yep. let's yeah, let's wrap this fucker up. Oh, Tarek, yeah. thank you for coming on. You can find Tarek's reviews at movieswithtarek.com, mm -hmm. and you can find my reviews at ypareviews.com and the YPA sensor. You'll probably agree. All right, folks. Thanks a lot. Mm-hmm.